highest of heights to the depths of the But notice the order here. He gave thanks and he looked to heaven. Then he distributed to his disciples and then they gave to the multitudes. Notice that the Lord could have just made the bread and the fish miraculously appear on the laps of everyone who were there. But he used the disciples to distribute the food. In the distributing, in the service, in the doing of it, the miracle was performed. And he uses people. Welcome, everyone, to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible-teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. Jesus relied on the labor of the disciples in this great miracle. He could have created bread and fish in the pocket or bag of every person, but he did not. Jesus deliberately chose a method that brought the disciples into the work. This miracle also reflected the character of Jesus, because we know he refused to miraculously make bread to feed himself in the wilderness while under temptation. But he did this for others and also used others to carry out his work. Now let's join Pastor Rob. In James, it says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. It produces patience when you're tested. In 1 Peter, it says this, You greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. Notice that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it be tested by fire, may be found to praise and honor and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Isn't that what it's all about? It's to refine us. It's to prove us. And I don't know what is in my heart until the trial comes, and hopefully I pass the test. And if I don't pass the test, I've got some learning, some growing to do, some prayer to do. But I pray, and I recognize that test as God's growth for me. See these tests as just that. And you're not going to surprise God if you fail. You're not going to surprise God if you pass the test. If you, if you fail the test, guess what? You take the test again. Like in school. <laughs> Sometimes you've got to take the test over again. There's a f- phrase that I love. It says, a faith that cannot be tested is a faith that cannot be trusted. A faith has to be tested in order that it might be trusted. God knows the faith. He, doesn't, he didn't need to do this to Philip. He didn't need to do it to Abraham as he offered his only son on Mount Moriah there to plunge a dagger into his son's heart. He was going to do it. He was in the process. He was lifting up his hand and the angel interrupted him, intervened. Yes, he was tested. 
God knew what he was going to do, but did Abraham at the moment? I don't think Abraham knew what he was going to do until he lifted that, that dagger and says, Lord, if I do this, you've got to raise my son because you've given me so many great promises that through his seed, all the earth will be blessed. So this is your problem. <laughs> I like that. God says, yeah, it is my problem, and I don't have a problem with it. But you're having a problem. And then Abraham passes the test. May we all pass the tests as they come into our lives. Amen? Amen. So Philip answered, verse 7, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may even have just a little. A denarius is one day's wage. You work for that denarius back at that time for a whole day. It would probably be equivalent to 80 or or $100, depending on what your job is. And 200 denarii was about eight months of wages. He says, even if we had that much money, everybody wouldn't even be able to have just a little. Where, where are we going to find all of this? The bread was not enough. The bread was not available. And they didn't have any money. Where our resources end, God's resources begins. Never forget that. And I'm learning that as I grow. I haven't learned it. I'm learning it. I'm, I'm learning this. One of the disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish, but what are they among so many? And can you blame Andrew for saying that? It's a very natural thing. We got this many people and this much bread and a couple of fish. Sorry, not possible. And in the natural, that is true. It is not possible. Sizing it up in the natural is very obvious, but we need to learn and to remember that when Jesus is in the midst, when it is his will, then there is no obstacle too big or too small for him to accomplish. And we typically don't believe that until we are in a situation where we have to cry out to God because he is our only hope. Do you know that in other areas, in other countries in the world, these miraculous things are happening? where people don't have anything and God comes through for them when they cry out to him. He does some miracle. God still raises the dead. He still provides for the hungry. He still heals the diseased and the wounded and the brokenhearted. He's still doing these things. He's doing them here in our country too. And notice what Jesus said in verse 10. Make the people sit down, and now there, were, there was much grass in that place, because it is a plain, if you will, on, this, on the east side of the, of the Galilee there. So the men sat down, in number about 5,000. In Mark's gospel, in the parallel account of this, in Mark 6, verse 40, it tells us that Jesus made them sit in groups of 50 and in groups of 100. This made it, made it easier for them to distribute the food and to know how much they needed. And I love this idea, make the people sit down. When you hear that phrase, what does it remind you of? It reminds me of Psalm 23. Make the people sit down. This word in the, in the Greek is anapipto, which means to lean back or to lie down or to recline at a table. It speaks of peace, doesn't it? It speaks of repose. It speaks of resting from your labors after a day. That's what he's saying to them. He's saying, lie back. And notice that he made them sit down. And, and this shows the command, his command, Jesus' command over the situation. He wasn't panicking. 
The other disciples are going, what are we going to do? How are we going to organize this? We need a committee. And the Lord says, no, just set them down. Go and have them sit in groups of 50 and 100. We'll take care of the rest. Don't you guys worry. Complete control in command of the situation. It reminds me of Psalm 23. What does it say in Psalm 23? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I shall not lack. He makes me to lie down. There's the word again. But in the Hebrew, it means the same thing as it does in Greek. The same thing. It's rabas, which means to, to be like a recumbent animal or an animal that's laying down or a sheep when he's got all four legs tucked underneath him. Do you understand what that, the picture that paints in a, in a field of green grass and, a, and, a, and, a, and sheep sitting there with their legs tucked underneath them? They're, they're very comfortable with their, their shepherd. They're, they feel safe. They feel provided for. The, the grass is there, plenty to eat. The water's not too far away. He lies me down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. And this is what Jesus was doing. This is what Jesus was doing. In Hebrews, it tells us that Jesus is the great shepherd of the sheep. In John chapter 10, you know this. It says, Jesus said to his disciples, Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. When they would have sheep in those days out in the fields, they would build rock barriers. Sort of like a, a, a barrier like this. And they would build rocks about that high to keep the sheep inside. And the shepherd would lie right in the door with his staff and his rod. Nothing could come in there without him knowing about it. And that's where he would sleep. The shepherd would literally be the door into the sheepfold. And that's what Jesus was saying. I am the door of the sheep. All whoever came before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not hear them. He says, I am the door, and if anyone enters by me, and here's the exhortation for us today, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Isn't Jesus the great and wonderful shepherd? Isn't he the good shepherd to you? He's such a good shepherd to me. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy, but I have come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Notice what Jesus says. I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, he sees the wolf coming, he leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he's a hireling and does not care about the sheep, but I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and I am known by my name. Do you know that a shepherd can say a certain, a little, a little phrase, a little sound? Shepherds over in Israel, I remember one time we were near Bethlehem and the bus pulled up and we stopped and we got out in this field, this beautiful field. And there was a young boy, teenage boy and girl leading a flock of sheep. And we got off the bus. It was an impromptu thing. The bus driver just said, oh, we got to do this. So he pulls over. We all get out of the bus with our cameras. We see this, you know, these two teenagers leading these sheep. And the young man goes, he, 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 some little sound. And the sheep all just gather around him. They know the sound. They know his voice. They know he loves them because he's the one who is caring for them. He's the one who's shearing them. He's the one who's taking care of the, the salve in their eyes to keep the bugs out of their nose and out of their eyes and out of their ears. He's the one who's getting the parasites off of them. And they know his voice. And he makes a funny little sound and they all just snap into attention. And they follow him into just little stubby legs. It's the cutest thing you've ever seen. You know, and they're looking up at the shepherd, just, you know, bah, you know, waiting, right? But notice what Jesus says. 
And I am known by my sheep, and, the fa- and they know my name. And the Father knows me, so I even know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep, and other sheep I have. By the way, you are the other sheep. We, the church, the Gentiles, we are those other sheep. That's what Jesus said. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them I must also bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. I am looking forward to that day. There's going to be one flock, it's called the church, made up of Jew and Gentile. One flock, one shepherd. Hallelujah. (laughs) Unity. Yeah. And in this time that we're living in, as stressful and uncertain as things are, we have to remember that Jesus is the good shepherd. And let me ask you a few questions. Are you abiding in him? Are you resting in him? Are you living in him? Are you submitted to him? Or is it just all lip service? Yes, Lord, I love you, but I'm going to do my own way. I'm going to do my own thing, and I'll ask you to forgive me. And he's like, yes, I will forgive you if you confess it, but you're missing out on so much. Are you submitted to him? Are you resting in him and allowing him to give you peace? Jesus said in Matthew 11, Come to me, all who are who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Is, is this a message for us today? Are you heavy laden? Are you feeling like the, the yoke is too heavy on you right now with everything that's going on? I can say, yes. For me, yes. Am I, is my heart heavy laden? Yes. For many reasons. He says, learn of me. I am gentle and lowly in heart. You will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy. My burden is light. In John 14, Jesus speaking in that upper room the night before he was arrested and crucified. What did he say to his disciples? Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give it to you. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it it be afraid. You've heard of me say to you, I am going away and coming back to you. And if you love me. You would rejoice because I said, I am going to my Father. And now I have told you before it comes that when it does come to pass, you may believe. Does that sound like a good shepherd? A good shepherd prepares. An earthly shepherd will go out into the field and make sure that there's no poisonous roots and berries and other things. So that when the sheep go in there, they can eat good provender and they're not going to get sick and die. Jesus tells us in advance all these things. How blessed are we? We are blessed. Are you resting in him? Are you in the word? Are you reading the Bible? Are you in prayer? Are you in fellowship? Now is the time that we need to be in fellowship with Jesus more seriously. Take your relationship with him seriously. Go to the fountain of living waters where there is plenty of water. There's plenty of sustenance and everything that you could possibly imagine. Why are you wasting your time going to a broken cistern? Go to the fountain of living waters, Jesus Christ. He is your only solution. He's the only solution. Do you believe it? Do I believe it? I pray that you do. I pray that we do. Notice... It says that the men sat down in number about 5,000. In Matthew's gospel, it tells us there were 5,000 men besides women and children. So we're looking at at least 10 or maybe 15 or even 20,000 people here. It wasn't just 5,000. It was just 5,000 men. But they had wives and kids, and they're all out there. And notice that he, Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples, and the disciples to those sitting down, and likewise of the fish, as much as they wanted and I love what it says in Matthew. This is the parallel account. What does it say? 
Then he commanded the multitudes to sit down on the ground. And notice something a little different than what's here in John's gospel. He took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up into heaven, he looked up to heaven, he blessed, and he broke, and he gave the loaves to the disciples, and then to the disciples, to the multitudes. There's a great secret here. Notice Jesus Jesus didn't complain about how many there were. What? Five loaves? Two fishes? Off with your heads. Did he say that? Was he arguing? Was he complaining? Oh, that's just so many. You know, if we had ten, maybe I could do the miracle, but just five, I don't know. That's a lot of stress on me. I just don't think I can do it. I don't stop it. Leave me alone. No, there could have been none. Do you believe in the beginning when it says, and he created, and God saw that it was good? He created this. He created that. He did this. He did that. He spoke it into existence when there was no matter to begin with. If you believe that, and I believe you should, and I hope you do, then this is not a problem. Not a problem at all. But notice the order here. He gave thanks and he looked to heaven. Then he distributed to his disciples and then they gave to the multitudes. Notice that the Lord could have just made the bread and the fish miraculously appear on the laps of everyone who were there. But he used the disciples to distribute the food. In the distributing, in the service, in the doing of it, the miracle was performed. And he uses people. He could have done it without us. It would have been more efficient, actually. He could have just made it appear. Oh, wow, fish and chips. Right on your lap, Arthur Treacher's. Remember them? He could have done that, but he used you and I. He used his disciples, and he still wants to use you. And notice that you don't hear the young man whose loaves and fish these were complaining, hey, that was mine, give it back. You know what? This man, this young man, would have as much as he needed by giving up what he had. That was an offer. That was an act of sacrifice, wasn't it? That was worship for the kid because this is five loaves and two fishes. That's a lot. He probably was on his way home to take it to his family or use it that night for his own family. Maybe he had been fishing. Maybe he was sent to get the bread. We don't really know, but here he is, and he's going to give it. He's like, it's yours, and you don't hear him complaining and stomping his foot, having a tantrum. But he had everything he needed. I'm sure the Lord made sure that he had plenty to do whatever he needed to do with it. There's an old adage that says, Happiness is not necessarily getting what you want, but wanting what you have. I love that. Because I don't necessarily need more things, but to enjoy what I have and to want to hang on to that, what I have already been given, and to be thankful for that, there's a secret in that. Because I'm not constantly grasping for the, the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. Because you know as well as I do, once you buy the next thing, it looks all good at first. And then it's in the yard sale two years down the road for 50 cents. Right? God multiplied what was on hand to fulfill the need. Do you believe that God can do this today in your life? He can. Have you been desperate enough in a straight to call, the, to call on the Lord in a situation like that? Because we know that we are not immune. None of us are immune to tough times and difficult circumstances. But notice, they had five loaves and two fish. Worship the Lord with what you have. And be content. And let him do what he wants. In 1 Kings chapter 17, 
It speaks of Elijah after he had pronounced a drought upon Israel. And it says in verse 8 of chapter 17, let me just read it to you. It says that the word of the Lord came to Elijah, saying, Arise and go to Zarephath, which is in the northern part of Israel, uh, up near Lebanon, modern-day Lebanon. Arise and go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. And so he arose. He went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, indeed a window, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Please bring me a little water and a cup that I may drink. Now remember, there's a drought in the land. So she's got to take water for her and her son, which we're going to find out, and give it to this complete stranger. And at this point, she realizes there's something different about this stranger. It's not just a stranger passing through. He says, please bring, uh, bring me, and she, she was going to, going to get it, and he called her and he said, oh, by the way, please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. Are you kidding? You, you not only want water, but you want bread as well? Do you want some oil for your feet too? That could have been her attitude. But there was something about Elijah. She said, as the Lord your God lives, I do, not, I, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. And see, I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in, prepare it for myself and my son, that we may eat it and die. In other words, that's all we've got. We're done after this. And Elijah said to her, do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first. Are you selfish? You've got to be kidding me. What a selfish guy. Make me a cake first, and then bring it to me, and afterward make some for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, and here is the confidence. The bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. So she went away and did according to the word of Elijah, and she and her household ate for many days. The bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry, according to the word of the Lord which he spoke by Elijah. God can take what she has. And didn't she do it as an act of worship? She did, because she was preferring somebody else instead of her own self. Practically speaking, this was a death sentence for her. And boy, the, a Christian with the wrong heart would look at that, and I am sure God put that upon the heart of Elijah to do that. And I don't think it was easy for Elijah. He knew what she was thinking. And to say, bring me one first. Bring me the water and the, and the cake first, the bread, and then you'll have enough for yourself. To be able to say something like that, that takes chutzpah, doesn't it? It takes the word of the Lord. That's what it took. It took that for Elijah. He had to believe that. We don't have time, but go check Second um, Kings. Actually, I'll, I will read it. Second Kings chapter 4, beginning in verse 42. This is in the life of Elijah, who was Elijah's successor. It says, A man came from Baal Shalisha and brought the man of God bread of the first fruits, 20 loaves of barley and newly ripened grain in his knapsack. And he said, Give it to the people that they may eat. But his servant said, What shall this be set before a hundred men? And he said, Give it to the people that they may eat. For thus says the Lord, They shall eat and have some left over. Does that sound familiar? Old Testament, now revealed in the New Testament. Because Jesus is a greater prophet than any of them. A greater than Moses is here. A greater than Elijah or Elisha is here.
That's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of John. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.